Um, do you, uh, this was a few weeks ago on social media. Greg never saw it, so I don't know how much credit this story has. But um, do you remember when that, that guy smushed a cake into the Mona Lisa? Did anybody see that on social media? A, a few people did? Okay, my story is credible. <laughs> this guy smushed a cake onto the Mona Lisa. Well, it was actually, it was only the, uh, the glass protecting the Mona Lisa. She's fine. Um, but uh, let's pretend for the, for the sake of the story, let's pretend that he actually did smear the cake all over the Mona Lisa. Um, the Louvre would be furious, but let's pretend that the Louvre, for whatever reason, decided to just let him go. Let him go, wouldn't press charges. I imagine that this guy would be walking home, like constantly looking over his shoulder, expecting them to have changed their minds and all of a sudden get someone to go arrest him. Um, but let's say he arrives home safe and sound, nothing happened. And so uh, a friend comes over for dinner that night, and as he's making dinner, the friend is looking at his fridge and sneezes all over one of the children's crayons drawings on his refrigerator. What should he do? Well, like, the, the crime is laughably small in comparison to the one he just committed. Um, in comparison to the one he was just forgiven of. So uh, we've been going through this series on the Lord's Prayer. Last week, Greg talked about uh, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread, where we talked about how God is our provider and how we are also invited to become uh, part of the answer for that prayer for other people um, and provide. So this week, we're talking about this line. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We're talking about forgiveness. Um, this line is a prayer, a request made to God that he would forgive us of our sins uh, just as or because we also forgive others. We are to forgive. Uh, and there's no clause as to whom uh, these others are, so it's assumed that it's everyone. Um, we are asked to be people of forgiveness who extend that forgiveness to others because we were first forgiven by God. Now, depending on your translation, uh, if you're reading this from the Matthew account or the Luke account, it might say that uh, forgive us our sins or trespasses or maybe debts. If you're reading debts, then you're probably from the Matthew account. And even if you're in the Matthew account, right after, again, depending on your translation, even before Jesus says amen, it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, the Father will not forgive your sins. And those are some strong words. So I don't think there's any way that this prayer is just talking about debts as in financial debts. There's clearly something more and something bigger that's going on here. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. There's something about forgiveness that's at the heart of Jesus's message. It's something so important that we need to burn this into our brains every day. I am forgiven, and I am called as a disciple to forgive. But what exactly is Jesus talking 
talking about when he's talking about forgiveness. How does Jesus define forgiveness? He told a parable once about forgiveness, and we're going to take a look at it as an example of Jesus's concept of forgiveness. Um, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 25, if you brought your Bibles, but I'm also going to have it on the slides. Um, so just a bit of context. In this passage, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it has been super practical. Like, he's not talking about atonement or the ominous, who do you say I am question. Uh, he, he is shepherding his, his disciples in this passage. He knows this, these guys in a very short time are going to be leaders of this new church that's going to form, and he is shepherding them. He's showing them the ways of this new community, the community of the church, um, the priorities of this new church. So our passage starts on uh, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Your Bible might also say 70 times seven. The point of Jesus giving this truly random uh, numerical answer is basically just to say, you are to forgive so many times that counting is ridiculous. Nobody would forgive 77 times and then on the 78th time just be like, that's it, I'm done, no more forgiveness, uh, you've crossed the line. You are to forgive so many times that counting is ridiculous. And so it's in response to this question that Jesus is going to start this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. So here's a servant who owes the king money. And that's not usually how we think of the relationship between servants and kings. It's not like there's any household staff at the Buckingham Palace that, like, owe the queen money. <laughs> uh, I think this is a different sort of relationship. Maybe a king and a, a tax collector that he employs. Or I'm thinking, okay, I am a huge Downton Abbey fan, so I am thinking of the relationship between the Crawley family and Mr. Mason, who is like a tenant farmer. So he like worked for the family, but also made his own income. Does that make sense? Um, so this servant, somehow, however it ended up, got himself into the situation where he owes the king 10,000 bags of gold, or your translation might say 10,000 talents, one talent is worth about 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So we're talking 200,000 years of wages that this guy owns. Even in considering our, uh, like a very low minimum wage, we are well into the billions of dollars in today's money. What this is clearly, it's, it's a ridiculous amount of money. And so what Jesus is doing is he's using hyperbole to say this servant owes the king the amount of money that no one could ever repay. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you can scrounge together. You will never be able to pay this back. It's impossible. So let's return to the passage. 
Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. This is absolutely crazy. First, it's crazy that the servant thinks that he could ever pay this back. This is 200,000 years worth of wages, but the craziest thing is the king's response. Forgiveness. This king is powerful. He has the the money and the power to do whatever he wants to get this money back out of this guy. He can sell him. He can sell his family. And his response is forgiveness. It's, It's unfathomable. So we continue. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him, saying, Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. But his fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. First of all, let's note that the forgiven servant didn't just stumble across this man who owes him money. He went out to find this guy who is looking for him. And it says here that the servant owes him a hundred silver coins, or a hundred denarii. One denarius was worth one day's wage for the average laborer, so this is like a hundred days of wages, which is totally different (laughs) from 200,000 years. But unlike the king, who simply called the first servant into his presence, here the servant is grabbing him by the neck, and choking him, demanding. And in response to this rude awakening, the second servant offers the exact same response as the first servant, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But unlike the forgiveness that the king offered, the servant only offers punishment here. It continues, when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and told their master everything that had happened. The master called the servant in and said, you wicked servant! I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? just shouldn't you have forgiven just as i have forgiven you i think this is a challenge to us the king didn't call the servant a wicked servant for the debt he owed he called him a wicked servant for his lack of forgiveness the servant's debt to the king was so much greater than the second servant's debt it's like smushing a cake into the mona lisa versus sneezing on a children's drawing Actually, if you're a numbers guy, the uh, second servant's debt equals 0.00016% of the other debt. Um, And I think this story has something for us today. If we look at this, the king's gift was a free gift given to the servant. Uh, The king called him in and he forgave him, and this was meant to act as an example. It was an example of how the servant was to treat others. 
When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, the forgiveness for sin that he offers is a free gift. This is offered to anyone. He's not asking you to do A or B or C first. The gift is just there. However, by offering that gift of forgiveness, it leads us to a new way of living. We are given entrance into the kingdom of God, and there's an expectation that we are to live in that kingdom. The forgiveness that we've received should be the beginning of a chain reaction. We have been forgiven and are asked to forgive others in the same manner. Our verse today is, forgive us our sins, just as we forgive those who sin against us. And so to understand and apply this, I think we need to know what forgiveness means. Uh, And if we forgive one another, is defined by how God forgave us. Let's look at that first. We're going to look at what forgiveness isn't first, and then move on to what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't just forgetting about what happened. Sometimes when you're trying to explain to a kid what forgiveness is, you end up describing it like some sort of amnesia. <laughs> like you say, you say you forgive it, and then you just pretend like nothing ever happened. Or maybe that's how we see forgiveness ourselves. But Jesus' view of forgiveness isn't just shoving it under the rug. Jesus' view of forgiveness is fully naming and drawing attention to what the wrong that has been done. When Jesus died on the cross, the ugliness of our sin was on full display. Here was an innocent man that we had put there through our violence, and we, that death was on display. It was visible. And yet, he says, from that position, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the Old Testament, atonement for sin was made primarily, or was was visualized through offerings made to God. Many of those offerings were farm animals or food offerings. They were things of value that that were given. It was visible. In Jesus' view of forgiveness isn't just shoving it under the rug and forgetting. If, if it was just shoving it under the rug, Jesus would have simply come down, congratulated everybody on what a great job they're doing, and ascended back into the presence of God. Ta-da! But in forgiveness, we recognize the wrong that has been done. When the king brought the servant into his chamber, he mentioned the huge debt that was there. Forgiveness is also the first step towards reconciliation. And in reconciliation, we need to acknowledge the hurt that has happened. We need to acknowledge the injustice, the pain. And in fact, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, we are not just, uh, we are asking for forgiveness for our sins. Not because we are not already forgiven, but because part of our relationship of forgiveness with God is confessing. Part of our relationship with forgiveness with God is recognizing that we have done wrong. And we go back to God in confession over and over again. But the difference is, and what makes forgiveness forgiveness is, there is a refusal to get even. When we have a desire to get even, one wrong leads to another, leads to another, and forgiveness is what breaks that spiral. What we see in God's forgiveness is that sin is still recognized, but the retaliation doesn't happen. There's no grudge. There's no getting even. It's just been forgiven. 
So now we know what forgiveness isn't. Let's move on to what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, how does Jesus on the cross show what forgiveness is? First of all, forgiveness is costly. We saw that so clearly in the parable. It was, there was a literal financial cost to forgiveness. The king was owed 200,000 years worth of, of wages that he was never going to get. He had the authority to sell the servant, sell his wife, sell his kids, sell his stuff, and he didn't. He chose forgiveness instead of that. And again, we see this so clearly on the cross. The path Jesus took to defeat sin and death was not an easy road, and the cost of forgiveness is heavy and hard. This is the costly forgiveness that we have received from God and the costly forgiveness that we are asked to extend to others. So forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is also grace and mercy. In the parable, the king's forgiveness towards the servant, um, it was an act of grace and mercy. The amount of debt that the servant had must have been crippling. And if there has ever been a time in your life where you've experienced a deep financial need, you know that. Money is one of those things where when you don't have it, you think about it constantly. Having breakfast, you need to know how much everything costs. You got invited to an event across town, you're calculating gas money or if you have enough bus passes to get there. The debt that the servant had to this king was completely impossible to remove. And that feeling of knowing it doesn't matter how hard you work and it doesn't matter how much you sacrifice, that it'll never go away, that must have been hard. So you can imagine what it must have felt like to have all that gone in an instant. Before that moment, the debt must have weighed on him so heavily that I imagine he would have thought about it every day. Um, and in an instant, in one very unexpected encounter with the king, it's gone and he's free. This is a forgiveness that's extended to us from God, the kind of mercy and grace. Because the sin we, we were carrying is something that's impossible to remove. It was impossible. It doesn't matter how hard we work. It doesn't how hard we sacrifice. It'll never be enough, and it'll never add up. And in a moment, in a free act of grace and mercy from God, it's gone, and we're free. This forgiveness, this costly forgiveness, is a gift of grace and mercy that we can extend to others. The, it, it's mercy that we extend to others was what we were asked to give. When we offer someone this kind of forgiveness, we are extending mercy. We are ending that spiral of getting even. We are refusing to hold a grudge and are instead opening up the door to reconciliation through forgiveness. So why don't we see this forgiveness happening all the time? Because you and I know that forgiveness is hard. When we have been offended, when we have been mistreated, the hurt that we experience is real. We have been hurt by family, by workplaces, by friends, and very also, potentially, by churches or by people from churches. And that is hard, and that hurt is real. But what we learn from the Lord's Prayer is that forgiveness is something we need to be reminded to do. We need to be reminded daily, again, and again that we have been forgiven 
And from that forgiveness that we have been received, we are, extend, we are to extend that to others. Our forgiveness comes from the forgiveness we have received. And that forgiveness that we are challenged to offer to others does not mean that the wrong that we have done is just for completely forgotten. It's not. Or the wrongs that others have done. The wrong is noticed and it's named. But rather than retaliating, rather than getting back at them, we stop the spiral and we stop the cycle and we extend mercy. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the forgiveness that you have given us through the gift of your son. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us today, that you would give us soft hearts that are willing to forgive, and when they're not, that you would remind us of this day in and day out, that we are forgiven and that we are invited, we are asked to live in that kingdom of forgiveness and to forgive others. Amen.